Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. In this episode, uh, we talk about more on the player side of things, how to keep your players engaged, how to control your players to keep them on the plot path, how to know when too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. This episode kind of really hits home for me because I feel like as a creator, I have made all of this amazing content for my players to enjoy. Sometimes you just don't have that player interaction. Uh, So we go over different ways of keeping those players engaged and how to make the game um, something that the players want to come back to. So we go a lot into about creating a great campaign, creating great environments, creating great characters, NPCs. We spent all this time and effort creating these world and based around these rules. And then your players absolutely hate it or they just don't like it or they find that it's boring. So what I want to talk about today is situations where you have to feel the players and feel how they're playing the game and knowing when to pull back and when to push. So my first question to you is just a very basic deadpan. What if you realize in not so certain terms that the players in your game are just not enjoying their game and not enjoying the game. They're not having fun. Like what do you do in those instances? Oh, ah, right. And where the feels, you know, ah, that hurts. Uh, that hurts all of us when that happens, right? Like I think came up with this thing. That's really cool. And it's really interesting to me. And I think it's neat. Um, you know, I experience this actually a lot as a songwriter where I'll write a song and I think it's the coolest thing. And oftentimes I'll listen to it two or three days later and I'm like, this is junk. That happens to us in D&D as well. And we might not catch it. Same thing with songs. I'll take it to the band and they would catch it or they might not catch it. And we all kind of like it because we're all stuck in a rut. And then next thing you know, we've written another smells like teen spirit. And you just don't realize that's what it was you were writing and you're just playing it differently. You know, that happens. And, you know, and, um, here's the thing though you've got to know your audience and that's the way it is with music and that's the way it is with D. your audience is your uh your group so what do you do you want to get out ahead of it hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully we do enough things with our environments with the character backstories with the care the players um, themselves and how they play hopefully you know enough about them and what they like and hopefully you know enough about their um the stats that are on their sheets to keep them like winning enough engaged enough and keep it immersed so like we can talk about that after we talk about what do you do when not all of that hasn't worked because i'd really like to talk also about how do we keep from getting to that point because that's a painful point to get to for us you know and it's big when someone can step up and say i know i've screwed up and that's important that's the first step know that you've screwed up you know, and I can think of a time when a fellow DM, Nathan, who we talk about and had on the show here a couple weeks ago, um, he felt like he screwed up one time. And, you know, what he did is he changed the tempo of the game a little bit, which is always good, changing tempo. 
um, change the monsters we were fighting against, change the environment, um, got us to a place quicker than we we because we were kind of looking forward to getting somewhere, and we got there a little quicker than we anticipated on the last leg of the trip. Um, those are some cool things to do, uh, easy things. Um, or go back into that backstory of the character, you know? We, we did all these backstories when we wrote our characters up. Hopefully, not everyone does, but hopefully some people, like we talked about, wrote a few sentences down about their character. Go in there and see if there's anything that they your player thought was really cool and that you haven't really touched on, and see if you can touch on it. And that's one way to get like one person who isn't involved or go into their stats into their skills or their feats and see if there's anything they really haven't had a chance to use and see if you can kind of reverse engineer a way for them to get a chance to use it um like for instance if somebody is like oh well i work for the king and i'm uh, like an architecture engineer and that's my backstory but i'm a rogue well if if you come up with a thing where they get to use that and you haven't used it in a few sessions or maybe even ever because it was really just a few points he put there for backstory which in my game happens a lot we don't have a whole lot of uh, we have powerful characters and players who are good but we don't have a ton of what i consider min maxing so um if you're able to get into those things and highlight those things for those players hopefully that'll kind of hook them back in a little bit or um, highlight them in a way that they think it's cool and um, you know that's that's just one one example of ways to do it yeah I remember you uh, telling a story to just to me uh, years and years ago about this uh, player I want to say that you were DMing you were in the game somehow I can't remember and you whatever it was you see you, it felt like that this guy just was not having a good time like he he felt like second support, like he felt, you know, he just, he felt like a side character. And then whatever the event was, he was the only one that could complete whatever the situation was. So it was like, whatever monster it was, he was the only one that could conquer it. Or whatever the treasure was, he was the only one that could find it. And I remember you telling me, um, hearing from like his, um, like his partner, like how amazing the game was and it was like this weird to me it was like this weird um revelation of like sometimes a good session is obviously when you're just you just get crazy involved into the game where it's like no like i specifically made this for you and for you to make this happen and you followed all the steps so now you know like it was one of those things where i'm trying to think of the best way to describe it but it was like it was kind of like a gimme, like you were giving the guy a bone, but it it also not only did it say like, hey, look, you're important to the group and what your character does is very is needed here in these situations. But it also progressed the story. It also pushed the plot further. It wasn't just a one off um, situation that at the end of the day would have no right or reason to. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, and I think I think I do remember talking to you about that vaguely. That's been a long time ago we had that conversation. Super long time ago. I'm surprised I remembered <laughs> it to be honest. Uh, yeah, and yeah, me too. I'm surprised I remember even bits of it. Um years, man. But it's anyway. Been a long time. I call those layups, and I have players that live for layups. Um you know where I I find out what you like doing as a player 
if you had one instance that I can think of where you had a really good time. And then I try to recreate that scene in a totally different way. Where one time we had, um, and I think Bert became the star, this our friend Bert who played Kroon. He kind of became the star of that game based on the layups I was doing for him because early on he responded to something which was him getting drunk as a barbarian in a big city where he wasn't used to being. And it was kind of a layup for me to say, oh, Kroon's starting to get a little bit buzzed. And I'd give him a situation where he was kind of allowed to go nuts. He was allowed to um, get drunk and fly into that barbarian rage and actually kind of take care of some business. And it even set some cool things up later where that same character got him got into trouble because I set up some little traps for him. Um, and those weren't the only types of layups because Bert really responds well to them, and that's what he enjoys the most are these little, like, kind of cues um, where I give an assist or, like, I shoot you the, the ball and, like, let you slam dunk it, um, where you just kind of know how to act based on the situation. And those aren't bad. People love that. Well, some people do. That's not going to work for everybody, and sometimes those can feel contrived. But certain players really like that. That's I wouldn't use it with every player, and I certainly wouldn't use it in every group. But it really um, helped Bert shine as a player, just setting those little situations up where it was a simple decision that he got to make of what was going to happen for the next hour in game based on whether he went nuts or not. Right, and uh, one of the scenes from that game that I remember very vividly um, that was kind of the the um, uh, the constitute for giving him that layup was, um, I can't remember the name of the planet that we were on, but for whatever reason, he got drunk and he wanted to go. We were, tr- oh, that's what it was. We He got the bright idea of creating a diversion for somebody to get broken out of jail. So his quote-unquote diversion was, oh, I'm just going to walk out into the city street and just start fucking destroying shit, which is fine. So Yeah, he he broke broke a table or something and then punched someone, and that was his grand grand idea. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and one of the things that um, the player, that uh, the character that I was playing was um, he was a cleric healer, but he was also very timid. In terms of like winning combat, he was he would I try to make it so it's like where's the person I think who's going to survive the longest? I'm going to hold on to them. So like Kroon was one of those characters that was like this guy's going to make it through thick and thin. It doesn't matter what's going on. Like I'm I'm on his tail, uh, his uh, uh, shoot or uh, uh, suit tail, coattails, 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 yeah, Yeah, coattails. I'm going to be on his coattails 24 seven, and I remember. We were talking at a game. Um, he found an axe that he was using outside of his regular club that was like way too good. Like it was way too good. Like he was doing way too much damage in terms of where we were supposed to be in the game and however that happened. And because of this outburst that he had, because of this, him going into this drunken rage and his quote unquote trying to create a diversion, he rolls a critical fail on one of his attacks and like the i i remember looking directly at you and your eyes like lit up because you're like oh the axe breaks completely and i was like ah one of those things where it was like you could not write that any more perfectly so 
even those layups, I feel like for those characters could also be like other ways of trying to retain and trying to um, keep the players kind of like um, corralled in a, in a certain area to keep moving them forward. Like it's, it's amazing sure. how those dice rolls tell, help tell the story so much. Oh yeah. It's really cool. If you can let the dice help tell the story, some people you know, don't like doing that. Um, but I, I love it. You know, and that, that's what makes it fun for me as a DM to try to interpret those dice rolls and say this is where the story is going because this is what we rolled. And it's maybe the second favorite thing about DMing, I'd say, for me. But um, so but you mentioned yeah, that. If you, you go ahead. Go ahead. No. Oh. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. But if you uh, like, if like you were saying. If you take those layups and you give it to somebody a couple times or those, those little in-game cues and you make it positive a few times and then you throw up a negative one, yeah, then it can be a way to kind of corral players in as well. Oh, yeah. Like it's – it's. I mean it's it's so obvious like looking at it now. But it, it feels – because part of me feels like it's like, fuck, this is so scripted and blah, blah, blah. But, man, it's not. It's just so perfectly woven – into you know the the player interaction the dm the story the dice rolling like it's amazing how it's just there's these times where things just fit so perfectly together um but you actually made it you made an interesting point about um players who are um uh, playing their characters by the dice and not um say what i would consider more role playing so let's say you have a player who is playing outside too much they're metagaming too much um they're even though the dice roll was bad they tried to some way correct it like so how would you round that i mean that rogue kind of player well i just want to remind um all my players and you know i think all dms should do this is that the dm decides when the dice are rolled um and what that means and i like to set the precedent that um i'd rather just see if we can talk it out rather than rolling dice if there's not combat rather than doing sense motives or uh these other you know uh, bluffs or diplomacies and, and like sleight of hand things let's see if it's something that i just think you can kind of if i think you can take 10 on it and fool this guy most of the time then I'm going to let it fly if you're like coming up to a gate guard or something and you're trying to bluff your way past and you've got a 12 in bluff and the gate guard is rather naive. Let's just forget about the dice rolls and just tell me what your character says. And then I'll say, I think now it's time for a diplomacy check or a bluff check or like we talked about in a previous episode, sense motive. Um, right, it's supposed to come after, so it's like the intent needs to come first, and then the role comes after. And it's yeah, it's important to set that precedent with your players rather than just kind of, um, you know, and that that comes down to different play styles as well. Because I know that when I played in some shop games, that there was a lot of dice rolling going on all the time, and the DM was more of a referee, and the players kind of controlled the game. Um, and I've been in shop games where it was constant combat as well. And then you come sit at my table and you'd be lucky if you get into two combats a night 
and they're kind of long and difficult and t they take a lot of uh a lot of know-how as a player to try to make your way through so you know it, that can be just kind of a, a difference in style so it's important to kind of set that tone early totally uh, yeah i mean it's um i mean again other than the games that i've played uh, with you and some of the other guys in the guild like i mean there'd be days uh where we play or i'd play a shop game or something like that and it's just like man that's all we're doing is rolling dice and don't get me wrong like i enjoy rolling dice but i feel like there's rolling dice is like 30 percent of dungeons and dragons like the other 70 percent is really the role playing it's the involvement it's the interaction it's the building the story and it's one of the reasons um i feel like this podcast is so important is because we're trying to showcase that side of it that doesn't see the light of day like in a lot of stuff you know so um well hats I, off to I, you oh, <laughs> well i think there is a lot of that out there in fact i'm part of a really cool community on facebook called dms only and uh um, oh. there are a lot of killer dms on there i can just tell by the way that they respond to the questions and the way that they conduct themselves that there's something like 40,000 people in this group and a lot of the, a lot there's certain people who are a lot more active than others um but there's a certain level of eloquence that comes across and and you can kind of just tell that some of these games they may be far different than mine or or yours or Nathan's or some of our listeners but um not every game is the same and that's okay as long as everybody involved as long as you get together with your players and decide what kind of game is it going to be because i know that i've had people play in my group who came from other types of games that didn't like playing in my game at all in spite of the fact that a lot of my players think that oh, i'm this wizard or whatever and it kind of gives me a little bit of a big head at times i'm not going to lie sure that's it's based on the feedback from my players where i i'm having a hard time getting you know where did i fail because i felt like there's times like this past week i felt like i failed majorly and uh oh really yeah on, on the sunday game i played i felt like gosh I'm oh, just... i was gonna say our game was great i don't know i i quite liked the saturday game when we played saturday yeah I quite liked it um i like the direction that that's going in but that See, and this is going to come down, I think, more what I've been able to do in a couple of those games is create a level of immersion that is um, just huge. Where, especially in the game, in the Sunday game, because we've been playing, I, I think we're on session 20 or 21. And the longer, the longer you play in a game, the more immersive it can feel because you've had time to get to know your character. And so if we go back and we, we were talking about um, how to keep get people back on track, I, the best thing you can do, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, is to find out what is wanted and try to communicate with one another um, as much as possible what we expect to do together. Am I just a referee? Is that 
the t type of game you're used to are you used to making backstories if so how long are those backstories how much are you writing about your character is it more than just numbers because uh, i know that lots of people when i say make a backstory they play D, &D a million times they're like oh what what do you mean right that's they're okay just, they're just playing you the sheet they don't and that's okay i let those people play in my game too it's harder for me to figure out what they want because we've communicated less that backstory really gives me an opportunity to find things and if i've set it up properly hopefully um because of what you've written on your backstory hopefully you'll enjoy the way i interpret that and present it back to you as the environment and that way the, the players feel like they've helped create what they wanted to play in because i might tell you a few things about uh, a city and it's going to be pretty vague and i do that intentionally i don't want there to be so much out there and i know a lot of my players are worried that because i have this big elaborate world that what they're going to write about their backstory isn't going to fit in and i i try to tell everybody this is a personal preference i try to tell everyone no i really want you to run wild with it give it to me and i'll tell you where i feel like you've crossed the line that it destroys what i've created or it, it doesn't work with what i created because there's something else there that we didn't talk about maybe i forgot or maybe i didn't want to get too deep to confuse you or give you too much to read because i'm definitely guilty of giving too much to read at times i can definitely say that there's been times where i i felt that exactly where i was just like oh i want to do this very cool thing but i don't know if this makes sense in the world that we're playing in and i think you even discussed that a couple of times where there's like Oh, there's just no, there's no ogres in my world. I think that's what it was. So, oh. what, does that make sense? Uh, was, no, what was it? Yeah, there was like a there's certain. No, there's no goblinoids, no orcs. Orcs, that's what it was. And you, but yeah. you, but somebody played as an orc, or you had an NPC that was an orc, and you were even like, oh, well, that none of this makes any sense because there's not just there's just not orcs in my world. So I can see as a player how that can be like a little bit intimidating, but. Um, again, like you mentioned it, it's all about the communication. It's about um, just taking the time to sit down and discuss what's going on and um, how you can interact back with that world. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask about was um, there's been a couple of games that we've played in where you've offered one-on-one -on -one sessions with like very with uh, certain characters. What is your intention with those what is your how do you plan those like what do you expect the the outcome for those one-on-one -on -one sessions to be they're always different man always always different because a lot of times there's a backstory that you know you cannot involve the whole group in and you know the perfect example and one that i think that you might be thinking of in particular um was where there was an assassin who was part of an elite assassins guild and he, his whole backstory was dedicated to wanting to be the guild leader of this elite group of assassins, which the best way to do that is to kill the assassins above you who taught you and be better than them. And it creates kind of a, you know, a really competitive, uh, that's what he had in mind, this really competitive guild that you could be killed at any time. So you had to be on your toes. And that's what kept them so sharp was that at any time someone below you could be trying to climb the ranks and it was in fact if anything 
not encouraged, but admired when it happened. So it's hard to take that backstory and make it known to the whole group. So when that particular player uh, wanted to do more with his backstory and I felt like he might have been slipping or and it kind of might have been my fault was because I didn't incorporate it. I didn't know how. I did some and it led to some really cool role playing but that was much later in the game um, after we had done lots and lots of other things and I think uh, one of those really cool things he got to do was a, a rite of passage early on for the Assassin's Guild that he had to sneak off in the night and go and commit um, a test and an act to... Of murder. Of murder, yeah, uh, and most foul in order to <laughs> uh, kind of climb, climb the lower rungs of that guild before he could take bigger jobs. Once he did that, he was considered elite and like after he'd been in the group for years, finally he completed his task and was able to move up and then he got his his big uh, mark like the big life changing this could take the rest of your life type mark and you saw where that ended up leading later yeah uh, it was a it was a it was a huge pinnacle in the story at that point yeah yeah and you know it was it was it led to an awesome role-playing moment because of that i got to set it up I got to pull him from the, the brink of I don't feel like my character's involved in any way to being this major story arc later on when I did it with like just a little side quest that pointed him in the right direction, gave him a, like a launch pad, and uh, you know the rest turned out to be history. And I think that's an, another thing to, to, to iterate again. Like it's at the end of the day, man, it's about communication. It doesn't matter if it's you know, in a, in a personal relationship or if it's at work, but like, especially within D and D, like the whole reason we're doing this is to have fun and to role play and to create something that, you know, out of nothing. And like, if you're just not enjoying it, if you're not having a good time, like you have got to reach out and tell somebody like you have to tell, like, don't waste your time because you know, if you feel like that negativity, if you're feeling that negativity, it's going to come off to the, come off to the rest of the group and it's going to come off to the DM and it's just going to bring the game down. Um, right. Like communication is huge. And I will say just because uh, I have the platform to do it, but I, I am grateful that I'm part of a group and part of a guild that like, we have no problem with that. Like, well, there's, there's never been a time where I felt like uh, my voice isn't heard or I, I felt like, um, like I'm not being a part of something bigger. You know what I mean? Like, so that's well, I think. I think part of the luxury to that is that we're adults and we we started uh, yes, as that's adults. True. Very true. And that we and we and that we also we get to play with a group of friends who's pretty tight. And so we have several luxuries. We all, you know, I think part of why we're friends um some of us might have been friends like you and I because of music and then D&D became huge and others of us met while gaming and that became huge to us. But at the end of the at the end of it all, we all love playing D and D, and you know now that we've got you know about twenty people in the guild, uh, give or take, you know depending on who who might consider themselves part of the guild and who might not, um, it's it's just easy to 
as adults get together and i get i get the luxury of saying well i pick this group to do this kind of type of game because i feel like that's what they all have spoken to me about that they want to do and talk about it between sessions you know there's no reason not to text about it there's no reason not to give each other a telephone call or send an email here or there just saying how you felt about what happened in the game and hopefully there can be that open discourse or have a place where everybody can comment and or like what we do we have our online um our online uh podcasts not just this one but the shit man the what's it called the recap from dust yeah from dust recap yep and that's i mean the fact that my players decided to go and talk about the game online and record it and put it on YouTube was awesome to me. Like, man, that is a tribute to um, what we've done as a group that they're so excited that they want to do that. And I love it because I listen to that to be a fly on the wall for that tells me everything I need to know about what you guys want as players or what, what you hope for, what you expect, what your characters think, how they feel. And I can guide those things based on what you all talked about. So to me, I'm the luckiest guy ever because the things that I tell people they should be doing, like have a forum or an email chain or you know a, uh, a group chat or a group text where you just talk about the game and everybody can see or hear it. And of course, there are times when you'd rather just talk about it on the side like, hey, man, I really don't feel like this is fair or I really don't feel like this is that fun, but I didn't want to say it in front of everybody. Right. Here's why. You know, hopefully you can foster that type of relationship with your players and don't think of it as a failure on your part. It's just different. They just wanted something different and there's been miscommunication and that's not a big deal. So long as that those lines of communication can open up and you can move in the right direction. The DM needs to be fluid because it's not just about the DM story and we got to stop trying to make it about us as DMs. I've got this cool story, sure, but I've got I've got the attention of everyone and I can tell this story over a long period of time and I can include things from everyone in this story. I can weave it all together into a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry that we as a group feel like we have ownership of this particular story it's not just mine it's ours and i always use like on my webpage i talk about my formula it's the uh 51 to 49 percent ratio 51 is dm because he gets a lot of time spent writing a game world or researching a game world like um like some of my favorites like ravenloft dark sun or eberron you know, you can, as a DM, you have to learn those things and figure those things out or write those things. So you're spending a little more time. But to be humble enough to allow the other 49% of the game to come from somewhere else, ideally those players know a little about your game world or the world you're playing in so that they can, so that it can be cohesive. But again, that's just about expectations. Not right. everyone wants to play in a game world that I created that they don't know a damn thing about. You know, I'm lucky that my players know my game world because we kind of all been doing this for a really long time. Right, yeah, and then it just becomes second nature. Like, you understand 
what you're going through the second um, something comes up. Like the, you realize that there's not certain races. You realize that certain you know books of magic don't exist and that kind of thing. So, um, all right. So as always, I want to leave this on a downer note. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not yeah. as always, but um, so the my last question is going to be. What do you do with a player who is just not working out? Like you have a player who, for for all intents and purposes, is just they're not they're not fledging with the group. They're not fledging with the the story that you're playing. Like, and it's just it's time to say, hey, like you know, it, we're gonna call it quits. So, like, what what is your process for something like that? Both for telling the actual person be like, Hey, you know, it's not working out. Maybe we should stop playing. Like, you know, we should cut you out and it's not working out. And what do you do with that character that's been in the game for however long? It depends. Every situation is different, man, because true players who just don't like playing online, you know, and we have an online game that jams and it's, you know, I don't mean to pick favorites, but it's, it's my favorite because it's the it's the kind of the main story arc and for that game i think partially because it's online and i feel like i need to do more where when it's in person it's a little easier to to let it let it loose a bit um, because i've got so much more experience doing it that way uh I, or for me anyway they've gotten better than my in-person just because of like I've gotten really good with the tools but um, I feel like they can get immersed in the game online it's time to stop playing you don't want to poison the rest of the group and it's normally uh, that everybody feels this way you know now you gotta stop and ask yourself is it just me as a storyteller that feels this way you need to talk to all the other players in the group just make sure and those those should be one-on-one conversations opinions to you as a storyteller or dungeon master as the the one who sets the game up you're the one that calls everybody you're the one that picks the players and asks them and gives them the invite it's probably at your house or on your discord channel (laughs) or uh, and so on and so forth so you've done a lot. You've set up a lot. It's, they look to you as the uh, the mentor or the uh, leader in a way. That's not always the case, but generally speaking. So you need to take the take the time to ask each player how do you feel about what Bob is doing. You know, I've so and so complained that Bob never does this or always does that, and it's super annoying to him. How do you feel about it? Because if it's just Bob that's got a problem with Dennis, then and Dennis has a problem with Bob, then you got to have those two work it out. Or if it's just me having a problem as a DM, I just don't like the way they're playing because maybe they thwart every plan I come up with. And everybody else ha- is like, no, man, Bob's cool. I love right. playing with Bob. Yeah. Then you maybe need to look inside yourself and see if you're not following that 51% to 49% rule very well. The the biggest problem player that I come across that nobody wants to get rid of is the charismatic talker. And we all know one. 
and we all we all know probably several. D and D seems to bring them out of the woodwork. <laughs> they've always got ideas. Those ideas are always cool. They're always fun, and it's almost like you got two or three storytellers going at the table. So those people can be a huge problem when somebody doesn't feel like they can get a word in edgewise. Therefore, they're not having any fun. And so it's up to you and that person to say, you know, hey, man, you're a killer player, but maybe dial it back a notch so that X, Y, Z can talk as well. Right. And, you know, I've had those issues in my game, but what we end up doing is kind of allowing it and taking a little bit away from myself, I'll sacrifice and say, let the players have their time. And we've got like a player's DM going on over here. Why not step back for a minute? And like I said, humble yourself a bit and let that happen. If everybody enjoys it, there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, get a good idea of how big of a problem is it really before you do anything drastic? Are you overreacting? Is the group overreacting? Try to work through it. And they know uh, before you go kicking everybody out because they're a poisonous threat to the group, you got to give them at least one chance to know what they've done wrong. And and it needs to be a serious talk. Like, hey, Bob, I've spoken with everybody else in the group, and I'm sorry if your name's Bob out there and you're not having a good time <laughs> playing D&D. <laughs> I didn't want to use We're sidelining you right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Bob. But I'll call you and say, hey, Bob, look, I've spoken with everyone in the group, and it's unanimous. We don't like when X, Y, Z. We don't like when you're not paying attention to the game, and it comes to your turn, and you go, sneak attack! Or magic missile! And, like, you're standing there talking to the mayor of the town in a field of daisies. <laughs> like, or you're at right. the pub where you don't want it, where magic is off limits it's against the rules like they're just they don't even know where they are you know that's the worst but but the, maybe they're paying too much attention to their phone no matter what it is just say hey man that that stuff's got to stop because nobody's having fun because you're doing that and you have to be able to be honest about it and i found that when i've done that that people who have had issues who really want to be in the game they pick up their pace and they say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I just kind of get bored when, oh, well, shit, that's part of my problem. I didn't realize that you got bored when X, Y, Z. Right. Because it could be anything. You never know. And it could be something that you as a DM is doing wrong. Well, that's why, again, going back to that open lines of communication and trust, the players need to trust that the DM wants you to have a good time. And DMs, you need to trust that the players want to allow you to help them have a good time and so that just comes with time and open communication i think that's it man yeah i think that's it's 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 a it's communication from start to finish on not even just playing in game but out of game too like i think that's 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 huge and I, I talked earlier about um, wanting to talk about ways to prevent that from ever happening in your game. So I think for next next episode, perhaps we'll do that. Perhaps we'll talk about how to prevent problems before they arise. How to 
to get in and create these things where the players and the group is working together and how to how to how to set that up so that everyone's having a good time and everyone's invested as much as they're going to be anyhow because everyone's got a different level of involvement and it and we'll talk about all of that Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at D&D 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at D&D 420. We will see you next week.